Hey guys, welcome back to Missing Out Mondays. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael. Yo. Hi. Hey. Hello. I'm getting in a real good stretch. Ooh. Right up top. This is what's happening. Stretch whatever, it out, baby. Whatever it stretch sounds it like is happening, I assure you, it's just a real good stretch. Sounds like you're taking a poop. Uh, what we do on Missing Out Mondays is we tell you what we're into. Start your week off right. Uh, I'm gonna go first, and you, you finish stretching. That's okay, how you, that's how you sell stretching, right? It's like it's all the satisfaction of poop with none of the mess. Hell yeah! Yes. Um, that's that's brought how we're to gonna... you, brought to you by stretching. Yep, we're go gonna to sell stretching.com/slash missing out to get a bad gateway notification. <laughs> um, guys, so uh, last weekend I got to see my goddaughters and. Uh, the oldest one, she's about 11, reminded me that Nightcore is a thing. Um, for those who don't know what Nightcore is, it started in 2002, uh, originally with like house and uh, trans music. The, the idea of it is that you speed up the music about 10 to 30 percent, which uh, both uh, makes the music faster and also um, changes the pitch of any vocals. Um, and so like music that is uh, a little more tranquil, like house music or um, trans I becomes still feel more, like, uh, what? I, I still feel like I have only the most tenuous grasp of what is meant by house music. Um, house music is, uh, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong. You know where to get me. Atari um, you it is It is essentially... It is very melodic. Um, it doesn't have as much like bass as like standard techno, um, but it does have a lot of repeating sounds. Okay, because yeah. I've heard like I've heard I've been in environments where people are like, "Oh, this is house music," and I'm like, "Okay," and yet I've retained nothing consistently enough for me to be able to go, "Oh, I know exactly what you mean when you say that." Yeah. Um, so a lot of rhythmic repeating tones um sometimes electronic um but for the most part uh less baseful so a lot more um calm a lot more uh tranquil i'd say is it like is it synthy at all sometimes it can be because what you're because i have no frame of reference for what you're talking about what you're describing sounds ever so slightly to me like 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 kind of the the overlap between techno and dream pop like something like chromatics maybe i mean techno is a lot more um i'd say it's a it's a lot faster tempo like if i knew anything about music i would say that like um uh, you know tr- house music is more of three eighths whereas the techno music is more four four. It's all in that. It's all in that three. Yep. It's all in that three, uh, man. man. Yep. All, I love those Skrillex waltzes. <laughs> um, but no, uh, it like it's it just has a faster tempo. Um, Got whereas, it. So so hang on, hang on, uh, and I'm gonna just put my ignorance right up on on Front Street. What is the difference? Is there a difference when somebody refers to techno versus electronic? Um. Or are we both real ignorant where this is concerned? I mean, probably. I'm I'm not a big, like, techno, uh, trans house, electronica uh, fan. I just like, I like 
uh, kind of wrapping this back into Nightcore. I like Nightcore, and so it started with that type of music and then moved on to other genres. So now you can get a, almost any song that you like, you can get a Nightcore version of. Um, and so it just it basically makes any song that you like and makes it just like turned up to 11. Um, so I like specifically one that's called Bedlam Sticks um, by Diablo Swing Orchestra. So I like the original song. I've probably sent it to you before. I don't know if I've heard the song, but is Diablo Swing Orchestra, I feel like I heard you bring it up at one point yes. and I jumped onto Spotify. Yeah. And if I'm remembering correctly, I was just, I was assaulted by this incredibly unique barrage of sound. And um, I, and yeah, I that went, sounds accurate. this is fascinating and i i'm pretty sure i need more of this but when i've had more sleep and then i didn't necessarily go back to it um that's fine i can i'm gonna make you do uh one of the albums for one of these shows so okay you'll be back all right soon you'll see you'll remember that you belong to diablo swing orchestra um but so uh that's one of my favorites uh like I, i like the original song which is a little bit more big band swing but when you speed it up it becomes kind of a a a a uh like a heart bumping gothic haunting sounding tune which is awesome um and then they also have a variety of j-pop songs that you can find as nightcore which sound really awesome like alones by uh aqua times is really good as nightcore um and yeah so it's it's good like you can find them on youtube that's mostly where people will nightcore songs um and just get a nice variety or a nice remix of songs that you may already like just have them sound a little bit different sure yeah uh, so that's me. What about you? Okay, I'm gonna. I want to go check that out because I still feel like I need to wrap my head further around what this is. Yeah. Um. Okay. Me. All right. It's it's uh, it's been it's been a minute in real time revealing the look inside the sausage factory. It's been Ooh. a minute in real time uh, since we've sat down to do this. So uh, a couple of a couple of things I've checked out, and I don't know whether you've checked them out as well. Have you? Did you catch uh, Ant Man and the Wasp? Yes. What do you think of it? Um. I thought it had some good jokes. Um, I thought it was as a, as a movie. I thought it was a bit forgettable. Um, I would have done a few things differently. Like what? Um, Spoilers for Ant Man and the Wasp, presumably. I mean, no. Specifically, I would have done Ghost differently. How, um, how so? Like, I liked I liked what was there, and I liked her relationship with Bill Foster a lot, and okay. I came away feeling like I wish we had explored it a great deal more than we did. Yes. That's the main thing that I would have changed is I would have spent a lot more. I would have gotten rid of the, the like tycoon bad guys and I would have had it been a very ghost oriented movie. I do love Um, though that Goggins was there. Like I'm with you and I, I do agree that that character, that whole kind of subplot was, it felt very superfluous to the story that they were telling. But Goggins, like, I don't, I don't care. I don't care if that was like 80% of the movie and it had nothing to do with anything. Just give me more Goggins. Right. Um, so I, I was telling my roommate after we had watched it that um, I think that they really kind of squandered the yellow jacket, like dual personality aspect of Ant-Man. Um, uh, how like in the comics he's, he's, 
he sometimes has another personality that's yellow jacket and he like goes crazy and does a bunch of crazy stuff um so i think that like if they wanted to i would have rather have had them use that with uh ghost having her um essentially being kind of this dual dualistic character who is essentially fighting herself um because then that would have made her a little bit more sympathetic because that she's essentially not 100% in control of her faculties right and ultimately she is still just a kid at heart right um which i think would have been really interesting um the way that they did it you only get you you only like dip your toe in a lot of different things yes um and there's a lot of like quantum realm stuff that i'm like take it or leave it See, I liked a lot of that. I, I'm with you. See, I liked it a good deal. I had a really good time. There were a lot of kind of wonky pacing and editing things that really stuck out. Yeah. Like, it felt like there were places where we were really missing parts of shots to get us from one moment into another moment right. in a way that felt very jarring. Yeah. Um, but a lot of a lot of fun to be had, I thought. It still has a bunch of heart, which I like. I still love his relationship with his kid. Um, I... A lot of stuff that I really liked that I wanted to see more of. I thought, once again, the action sequences were very inventive. I think the big, small car chase is awesome. Um, I will say, though, I do think, in terms of execution, the action sequences in the first movie did more for me. And I wonder, and maybe this is not the case at all, but I wonder how much of that is because... Edgar Wright was on that movie for about eight years, and I'm sure that they had a lot of things prevised by the time he left. Right. So I'm wondering how much of it is owed to that. Whereas in this movie, I think it's it's, it's part and parcel uh, with kind of the wonky pacing and editing issues. Conceptually, I really dug a lot of it. Execution-wise, I thought a lot of it was very fun, but I didn't feel as fully immersed in the action sequences as I yeah. did with with some of the action sequences in the first Ant-Man, where th they were really like utilizing the micro photography in really cool ways. Yeah, I also well, I think that like in the first one, the action sequences were directly tied to the the like emotional through line of like Scott trying to trying to get his family back together and trying to protect his family. So like the climax takes place in his home, in his daughter's bedroom where he's trying to make sure that she doesn't get murdered in this movie. Um, a lot of the action pieces happen just so that we can showcase the big, small technology. And I don't think that they are as intrinsically tied to any emotional beats which just make them there right it's cool and it's fun but right we're not necessarily as emotionally invested in some of these action sequences right, right. because they're not necessarily serving character or theme they're just cool to look at yeah. which to be fair they are uh i do like uh, we giant man of course is in the trailer so that's not giving anything away yeah um i do like that we took the line from Civil War before we see Giant Man for the first time, uh, when Scott's like, uh, you know, I, I've done it once in a lab, and I passed out, and it's just kind of a funny, cute, like, haha, line. That's funny, but they actually ran with that concept in this movie, where yeah. you see if he holds Giant Man for too long, it just it's, his energy just it can't like his your body's not supposed to be that big, yeah, and so he literally passes out as Giant Man in a sequence in this movie, little like obviously. That's not really here or there in relation to, 
I guess overall objective quality, but it's that like little bit of connective tissue that I, like every time you see little bits of that, it's part of why we keep coming back to this cinematic universe. Yeah. Little bits of connective tissue that makes my little nerd heart sing. Got to get into like kind of heavy spoilers for this one little next bit that I want to discuss. So if you haven't seen Ant-Man and the Wasp and you care at all, yeah. uh, come back in a couple of minutes. Um, did your theater, and I don't know, I, I tend to see all these like opening night or opening weekend. So I don't know how far uh, beyond that you saw it. Okay. Did your theater absolutely lose their dang minds at the end of that po- uh, mid credit scene? Um. Yes. Well, I don't know if they lost their minds. So for, they were just like, "What?" For, for context, yeah. uh, if, if you haven't seen it and don't care, because if you haven't seen it and do care, I warned you before, and I'm warning you again. So this is on you if you get something spoiled and you don't want it. Ready? I mean, you could also just as easily say that it ties into no Infinity spoilers. War. Spoilers. Okay. I warned them. Uh, no. So this movie uh, predominantly is set. Uh, before and and possibly during some of the events in Infinity War, but we don't touch on it at all until the mid credit scene where it seems like it's just a little bit after the, the main body of the movie. Scott's going into the quantum realm to get some ghost energy because I guess they're going to like help ghosts and hang out and be friends now. Yeah. Friends are great. Healing um, quantum energy. He jumps into the quantum realm and Hank and Janet and Hope are all kind of waiting on the other end to pull him back. And then the radio goes silent. You cut back to the roof where they were standing and they, like so many beloved characters at the end of Avengers Infinity War, all three, the entire Hope Van Dyne nuclear family has disintegrated into dust, leaving Scott stuck in the quantum realm. The way my theater reacted, you would have thought that shit was happening in the audience. Like (laughs) people were losing their minds entirely. Um, Just like at the end, the post credit scene where we see the ant playing the drums. I do really like that we get the, you know, the test signal, like the please stand by on the TV. Everything's dead silent outside and the ant just plays the drums. And then we get that Ant-Man and the Wasp will return and the question mark fades in. And once again, everybody was like, ah, ah. It's like it's my life and it's happening to me. Um, so let's let's double down on the spoilers real quick. Okay. I have some real thorough speculation as to in what way specifically this sets up Avengers 4. Okay. Uh, so there are rumors and we do have to go like rumors and some kind of like inside baseball-y stuff. Yeah. Um, still on spoilers, folks. Potential spoilers because I don't know any of this for sure, but it all seems to track. Yeah. I saw a set photo from Avengers 4 and then okay. I went, no more of this. But now I get to share it with you and you can curse my name. Set photo where they were recreating a scene from the first Avengers movie. Uh, Chris Evans as Cap without the beard in that costume. Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Uh, very much same location, same costumes, recreating a scene from Avengers. But Tony Stark looks older. And okay. Scott is there. So here's what I think happens, especially given that we heard a rumor uh, not too long ago that they cast an older version of Cassie to play... Um, I get like they cast an older version of Cassie because in the comics, I think when she grows up, she becomes a size changing hero herself called Stature. We teed up at the end of this movie the Cassie wants to grow up and help people thing. Yeah. 
real hard. Mm -hmm. So what I think happens, and again, I have no clue, because you know that like as soon as one of the people involved in these movies gets too close to revealing something, the little red dot appears on their chest, and they're like, "We got, I got to stop now." Um, My guess is, we hope Avengers Four opens years into the future where we have now lived in a world post-snap, post-half the life in the universe disappearing. We've now lived in that world. Tony Stark is an older man in that world, having had to look back on what I'm sure, like even just the death of Peter alone, he must hold himself responsible for. Like This happened because we failed, and he's had to live with that. We're in the future. Maybe we do see the older version of Cassie because heroes still exist. Scott ends up in the future. Okay. Because they made a big deal about don't get caught in a time vortex. Scott ends up in the future, bumps into older Tony Stark, and they together come up with a way. Maybe they're using that quantum energy Scott was gathering to essentially use time and space, travel through time and space to find a way to maybe go back to the source somehow and undo what Thanos did. Mm, And that's interesting. That's a way we get to do kind of like a big retrospective here are some uh, moments from the history of the MCU that we're revisiting from a different perspective as a way to presumably conclude Tony Stark's journey and Robert Downey Jr.'s tenure on these movies yeah that's that's my guess broadly speaking that is my guess yeah I could accept that um I mean it could also though uh, just be like a, a vision. Like it could be... Well, they, they the Russos were asked about uh, BARF from the beginning of uh, Civil War. The uh, binary augmented retro framing. I don't okay. know how to feel about the fact that I know that, but I do. Yeah. Um, the, the technology that he invented to essentially create these hyper-realistic simulations to help process traumatic memories. Yeah. And somebody i forget the way they phrased the question but somebody asked the russos about that yeah and they said well it served two functions one is it's a great way to set up tony's relationship with his dad and kind of give you like that bit of exposition yeah we also might be seeding it in for something that comes later my guess before i saw a photo with an older Tony Stark and Scott Lang, who looks just like Scott Lang looks in the Ant-Man movies in Civil War, doesn't look older. Yeah. Um, I assumed any recreation of stuff that we saw, because I heard these photos talked about, like it looks like they're recreating something from Avengers. Yeah. My first assumption was Tony's using that technology right. to go back into some of these. Yeah. And try and figure out like, where did it all go wrong? What can I, like what what could I have done? Yeah. Why did I fail? Right. And going back through all of it. And there could be a heavy element of that. But once I saw that set photo, once I saw an older Tony Stark and Scott Lang, who doesn't look like he's aged at all, combined with uh, what it looks like we're teeing up at the very end of Ant-Man and the Wasp, combined with the rumor that we might see an older Cassie. Yeah. All of this stuff starts to click into place for me in a way that. I assume it's got to be some version of that. Yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, yeah, yeah, I accept it. I accept your theory. People, pe- people on Twitter and other platforms um, refer back to this podcast. And here's the thing, you know, happens. you know, I'm not the fan theory guy. Yeah, because most of the time they're fun to talk about. But as soon as you start to posit that this is what was intended by anybody, 
you run into pretty quickly like, yeah, but that doesn't track, that doesn't track, that doesn't track, that makes no sense. You're pulling that from absolutely nowhere, and without that part, your whole thing crumbles. Yeah. I would like, I, I like to, you tell me, you tell me if you feel differently. I like to think that this theory that I just posited to you is highly evidence-based. So I feel comfortable in positing this, not asserting it certainly, because yeah. I truly have no clue. I feel comfortable positing this because I feel it is at least somewhat informed by evidence that is available. Yeah, I accept that. I, I mean, and also, guys, I just I like film theories. I like I like theories, so I'll listen to everyone. If you want to hit us up with your theories, hit us up at Missing Outcast, M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. One one last thing that I don't just because I know we're gonna run short on time pretty soon, so maybe we'll we'll hold this for another missing out Monday, perhaps. D- have you caught because it just started playing places? Have you checked out? Sorry to bother you yet. Uh, not yet. I hear it's good. Check it out, and then we'll talk about it. Do yourself a favor. Walk in knowing as little as possible. Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, check it out, and we'll talk about it. Cause like I wanna, uh, I saw it yesterday, and like I'm already like shit. I gotta go see this. Oh nice. It's, it's it's real good. Okay. So we'll go check that out and we'll talk about it. All right. Sounds good. Uh, guys, thanks for listening to Missing Out Mondays. We have a new thing. So uh, we would love to hear what you're into. We tried the, the anchor thing. Um, it's complicated. So we, we decided to simplify it. So uh, you can leave us a voice message at 978-MISS-OUT. That's 647-7688. That number again, in case you missed it, or maybe you're driving, is nine seven eight six four seven seven six eight eight. That's nine seven eight miss out. Uh, leave us a voicemail, and we will put it here on Missing Out Mondays. Uh, so let us know what you're into, and you can be part of the show. Don't forget to leave your name, what you're into. That's it. Call Just missing say your full name. out. That's my name. That name again is missing out. Hooray! Uh, cool. Lex, where can they find you if they're not leaving a message? I am all over social media at the Lex Michael, as opposed to a Lex Michael. It's true. There's there's so many. Because there's so many. Yeah. Just I'm a dime a dozen, so you gotta know which one which one it's the It's true, yeah. It's he's, he's, it's the He's no Lucretia Lion where there's only one. It's like that uh it's like that scene in uh I wanna say it's it's once upon a time in Mexico where they're talking about they're looking for the mariachi and somebody's like, which one? And Danny Trejo looks at him and goes, L <laughs> So it's like that. It's like we're looking for Lex Michael, which one? And Danny Trejo looks right at him and goes, The Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, you can find me at Tari J. T-A-U-R-I-J-A-Y. Just that. Um, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and you can find us at Missing Outcast. That's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. Uh, so once again, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. If you want to tell us what you're into, don't forget to call us. 978-MISS-OUT. Uh, see you next week. Oh, also tomorrow we're talking about Vampire in Brooklyn, starring uh, Eddie Murphy, directed by Wes Craven. So uh, check it out, my dudes.